What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down 113.2, and we are continuing and finishing our playthrough of AI the Somnium Files. Today I have with me Matt. Hello. And Jay. Ahoy. Ahoy, matey. So, yeah. It's been two weeks. We finished the game. Uh, Matt finished the game literally ten minutes ago. <laughs> um, I finished it two days ago. So, some of it's still in my head. There's a lot to talk about here. I have these impeccable notes, which are absolutely horrible when I say it. Um, and the last thing we did was we got the the ending where... Uh, Iris dies while we all believe that there's a conspiracy going around where there is some kind of like secret organization trying to create this alien tech to spread its AI across the universe. I wasn't buying any of it. Yeah. The most out of left field storyline mm -hmm. in this game. Yeah. But there, there is, you know, it's, it's still kind of crazy what actually happens in this game. Um, so we decide to go back to the original Somnium that, that determined we were going to agree with her in regards to the conspiracy theory. And we decided to not follow her, but to follow our own path, thinking that there's obviously something wrong with Iris when she's believing this stuff. So, it's basically almost the, it's the same route that we're taking, just we're changing up a few, we're doing the exact opposite of what the panicked Iris is telling us. We're doing basically what the, 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 the streamer Iris is doing. Um, and after that Somnium, we uh, go and talk to Hitomi and Hitomi reveals to us a very important uh, thing uh, she has a malignant brain tumor that leaves her confused and also sometimes paralyzes her limbs so we go back to oh right when she dropped the the spoon and her obsession with this conspiracy theory and stuff like that. Yeah, this game yeah. does a pretty good job of uh, changing mood pretty quickly, so you can be laughing along at how ridiculous it is that she believes this, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. yeah. It's it's one of those situations where it's like, you will regret your words and actions kind of deal. You're like, oh, Iris is so stupid to believe these things, and <laughs> you learn yeah. that she has grade 4 terminal malignant brain tumor that makes her hallucinate and, uh, you know, kind of puts her into vouch of, like, paranoia and all these physical elements that's really, you know, dragging her down. And the fact that she's still able to be really, like, spirited and everything, I think that's pretty uh, admirable, despite everything. Considering what you would be like if you knew you only had a couple of months left to live, right? Do you think you yeah. would be, you yeah. know, bright, cheery, trying to, you know, brighten up people's day? I don't know. I, I don't know a lot of people that could do that, so... Uh, that's kind of a turning point for Iris' character to some degree. Yeah. So we left uh, Iris with uh, Mizuki over at the uh, Oda's place, his, his restaurant. And um, 
Hitomi tells us that there is only one way to save her but before she can get that out of her mouth she gets a phone call and it's Mizuki saying that Iris has left and she says she's going to the one person she trusts the most who could that be the only person we could think of is Rinju so we're like okay where could that be so we go to the cold storage warehouse <laughs> when we go there uh, we find no one around but we do find Iris's frozen body inside the the I guess the seat of the forklift that's in there I don't know how how, how where where they're storing this body yeah, they almost made it sound like it was, uh, you know, a hollowed-out refrigerator or something, and the body was just hidden in there, but there's not really an in there. Yeah. So, the premonition has come to pass. Oh, no, we didn't believe her, and now there she is laying there dead, frozen, stabbed in the back multiple times. Just as we saw. Yep. So Iva decides to ask us a few questions. Why was the cold storage unit even there? Why was it not in use? Has it been used in years? Or rather, if it hasn't been in use, why did they keep the AC on the entire time? Right. Well, it's obviously to preserve something. What's so strange about the corpse, right? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's frozen solid. Mm, that would take a very long time to to freeze a body completely. So we saw her only about an hour ago. Right? How could she be frozen solid already? That would have taken like eighteen hours or so. Yep. And then earlier in the week, we found her body, but it was but it went missing, right? And Iris was alive and well. So, is the body the same one we found two days ago? If that's the case, then who have we been talking to this whole time? <laughs> so we decided to examine the body. And uh, when we do, we see that uh, she was pregnant. Uh, but it's, it was apparently she had already given birth but it takes a while for the body to, to recuperate from that so she still shows sign of, of pregnancy so obviously this body is not Iris's body also we can determine that this body was frozen at least 10 years ago and I wrote in my notes the fuck <laughs> <laughs> I was just surprised it wasn't 6 years ago yeah so we remember that in Sosomnium we saw him stab someone that looked like Iris could this have been many many years ago in his memories well let's find out so we go over to So's house So forces us to leave he doesn't give us shit <laughs> he's not going to talk to us so in this time, we're kind of trying to deduce things, so we decide to call the body Atlas. For all, all ice. All ice, yeah. Yeah, 999 reference. 
Did you so, not, uh, wait, Drew, you, you know that's a 999 reference, right? I'm sure it is, but I played 999 about 10 years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's uh, vaguely just to remind you. It's the um, the story about the Egyptian queen that was frozen using the substance uh, all ice, and she was kind of named Alice after that aspect. And at the end of uh, the after credits scene, you see a woman in the desert kind of flagging the, the people that are escaping from the uh, the place, and then you assume that's Alice, but then play Virtuous Last Reward, and then you find the real story later. But yep. Yeah. That's not the last you see of her. Anyway. So, I've wrote down questions. Question. We've seen this corpse more than twice. Three times, in fact. When was the first time we saw it? Matt, can you tell me? Um, in one of the Somniums. That's right. Mizuki Somnium. Yep. Mm-hmm. Question. Who was the girl? Wasn't it obviously wasn't Iris. Iris is alive and well. It had to have been Alice, right? So we go to the shrine. That's where Mizuki is. We find the griller enough to where she comes clean. It says that about a month ago. Uh, God, I I can't even type. Apparently, about a month ago, <laughs> I put she she dolled Rinju. She dolled must have been ca- must have called Rinju, or no? She saw Rinju. She, she tailed Rinju. I think it's tailed Rinju. Holy yeah. crap! <laughs> uh, she tailed Rinju to the cold storage warehouse where she saw Alice. There, she thought it was Iris. She didn't tell anyone, then come to find out. Uh, Rinju had owned and operated the warehouse for 18 years, but a set the separate company was just a front. So we decided to run a database search and find out that uh, Monica Awi, Iwai? I believe it's Monica Iwai. Iwai, Iwai. Monica Iwai was Alice. She was 19 years old, graduated from the exact same high school as Renju and Hitomi. <laughs> Hitomi was actually best friends with her. How did Hitomi know Monica was dead? We needed to sync with her, obviously. Luckily, she's at headquarters right now. She's uh, she's uh, answering some questions about the disappearance of a virus. So we have to do a little interrogation. We come to deduce that she obviously knows something that happened 18 years ago. Well, there's only one way to find out. Let's strap her in. But before we do that, Boss and Pewter tell us that, uh, hey, that whole six-minute rule, it's there for a reason. Okay? You don't die or you don't get absorbed into the other person's consciousness. What actually happens is is that you switch consciousness. Essentially switching bodies with the other person. One thing and I, I didn't get it, here was that was it all at once or was it a gradual process? You know, the with the egg reference, they're talking about the yolk and then all the egg white transfers over. It, I got the sense that it should have been a it, it should have at least been the option for a partial transfer 
Yes. From what I gather, it is a partial transfer because we will see that a little bit later on. Am I right, Jay? Um, it's partial transfer in the way that you still keep a part of the original body's owner's memories. Like the, their the personality. 1%. Yeah. Um, and then the part of that being able to be rebuilt is obviously a big deal in terms of being able to use that memory and personality to like maybe impersonate people if you need to. But obviously this can be misused by some really terrible people. So it's a safe secret and that's why they've been so hush hush and every single time you go into Somnium, they will always warn you about the six minute without fail. So this is very important uh, to boss and Peter and basically anyone that is um, delving with these uh, sync machines. Right. And I put in my notes so essentially Captain getting you. Kind of, yes. Um, yeah. So we go into Hitomi's Somnium. Uh, and this is like a, a darkened forest. Can't see much of anything, but uh, there's certain lights that are lit up that you can follow. And uh, there's a few familiar faces in here. Uh, Renju being one of them. A very young-looking Renju. And... Uh, also a young looking Hitomi maybe After, maybe uh, 10 years younger possibly possibly younger than that I don't know uh, this would uh, be 18 years uh, younger actually 18 yeah. years yeah so um, we see uh, Rinju young Rinju overlooking Monica's body buried in the woods that's our big okay. Bam, they, she and Renju both have physically seen Monica's dead body. So, come out of the somnium. Hitomi finally comes clean. Eighteen years ago, Monica. I say Monica. It's Monica. <laughs> uh, birthed a child just so happens it was secretly Sosajima's child so little uh, little uh, political strife there right consider that um, even the So's wife was dead at this point um, the idea of like a 50 year old politician getting into a relationship and making a just out of high school graduate pregnant would be a huge huge scandal absolutely so Monica left the baby with Renju so she could go see Sosajima but she never made it back uh, they were able to find her because before she went to So they gave her a GPS tracker to keep on her just so they could find her they used that GPS tracker uh, and well they found her dead laying in a hole that was dug in the woods Hitomi tells us that Monica wasn't killed by So but by So's son Saito who was 12 at the time after the killing So called the Kumakuras to dispose of the body as we all know, we remember 
Kumakuras, led by Rohan, was partnered up with a very young partner. Guessing Saito might have been the person. You can consider this kind of the beginning of their relationship in in a lot of ways, because this ended up being Saito's first um, person or human kill, and yeah. uh, Rohan was all the happy to just take a uh, uh, Monica's eye as a trophy, even though he wasn't the one that killed her. So uh, this is kind of their connection, and uh, when these the Cyclops killer was born, more or less. Right. So Hitomi and Rinju decide to dig up the body and keep it a secret since if anybody found out about this they would come after the baby. They'd come after Iris. So Rinju took the body to the cold storage warehouse since it wasn't in operation anymore. He owned it. He could easily have him turn the power back on and they could leave that body frozen and nobody would ever know. Was there besides, oh, go ahead. Was there any reason that he wanted to keep it around? Um or their justification Oh, go ahead, Drew. You're safe. I didn't say anything. I was just so. gonna say or or was it the inability or you know, not wanting to move it for fear that he would get caught when he moved it, or did he actually have an active reason to want to keep it? Um, the way that uh, what Renju and Hitomi basically said is that uh, when they saw her on that like shallow grave, they couldn't stand the the idea of her just basically rotting away in an unmarked grave forever. But because this is a body that they can't exactly take to the cemetery, right? Given the circumstances of everything, and they can't even let people know that it exists, so they decided to clean the body and basically try to preserve it in a way where, you know. Uh, they can visit her if they want to in terms of like just kind of like memories and stuff like that and also kind of hide away the evidence of uh, you know Iris and all this other stuff too yeah so Hitomi decides to take Iris as her own and kept it a secret Uh, then well Iris is diagnosed with a brain tumor there was little they could do Except for one thing, nanotechnology. And in my notes, I said, "Fucking Kojima again." <laughs> Nano machine, son. Very right. expensive. Mm. She needed money for the surgery, so she decided to blackmail Sosajima, <laughs> pillar of uh, of the society. There, right? <laughs> yeah, and also very, very rich. So you know, hey. So she called him up and displayed the body in the cold storage warehouse and made uh, So come in there and well, that's why we saw So there. He was there looking at the body and when he left we're like, oh, So must have killed her. I also thought that was but, funny because if you had evidence on somebody usually you want like a backup recording or, or something, right? And my thought was So was just going to take the body, dispose of it himself and then he's He's off scot-free. Well, I mean, there's more ways to get evidence than just having the literal corpse. Although that is obviously going to be the most compelling aspect of it. But I think if you consider in the future of, like, the digital age and stuff, when so much of digital media can be faked, 
if you want to make the biggest splash and impact, just kind of showing the direct proof to people, kind of let them know that you have, uh, you know, you have them, you know, under your thumb more or less. It kind of makes sense. But also, it's not like Hitomi is a master criminal, right? She's, yeah, right. she's, she's a, she's a scared mother that's trying to save her daughter's life. Blackmailing yeah. someone for the first time in her life, so yeah. I, I cut her a little bit of slack for that. Yeah. yeah. Next time she does it, she'll be better prepared. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, uh, master criminal. So when Date goes in, sees the body, and then runs off, going after So, Hitomi moves the body back, puts it back into the uh, into the, the the forklift. So, oh, now the body's disappeared. The only problem is, what the hell does this have to do with Shoko's murder? <laughs> So Hitomi tells us that she knows where Iris is and that she was supposed to go to the location with Date. Whoever has her knows Date. All of a sudden, Pewter busts in with a gun and Boss is behind him. And she tells us to run but then passes out. Peter tells us to stop investigating Monica's murder. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's going on here? According to uh, HQ, he's being put under house arrest. You're not investigating this at all. Give me a badge and gun, which I, they don't even take as a gun, apparently. <laughs> but we have Iba turn off the power, and we counter Pewter. Hitomi takes us to the abandoned factory. Date states he knows this place, but he's never actually been here before. At least, not in this timeline. And this is something I'm, I'm going to have to bring up later on. Because I still have questions. Absolutely. I was anticipating this. Yes. Uh, so, when we make it there... Iba pops up and says, Hey, um, somebody's remotely trying to wipe my memories. Uh, like, everything. And if this continues, I'm no longer existing. She's got about four hours left. So when we go inside... Or go ahead, Matt. Just saying the clock is ticking. That's all of a sudden, like, you know you're racing towards kind of the end. Yeah. So, we go inside, we find the prototype sink machine. Also in the sink machine is Rinju, dead as a doornail, hooked up to it. His eye's been poked out. All of a sudden, from behind, number 89 shows up, zaps us in the back with a stun gun, and we pass out. And then, whoop, we're locked out can't go any farther so we have to choose a different timeline and I keep saying timeline when it should be more like path I guess I that that's where that's where it's starting to get fuzzy with me yeah I, I mean we can we can save this this discussion for the end if you want mm-hmm. Jay. I will say save it for the end because it's gonna be a good discussion and okay. it's gonna harken back to things that we're gonna discuss uh, soon 
Okay. Okay. So, next thing we do, we got to go back to the new timeline. The timeline where we saw Boss killing So. So Sejima. We got locked out of that one, but hey, it's now unlocked. We can continue on with that one. And that was the dramatic final moment, right? Where we saw the hand, the gun, the shot, and then Boss's face. Is it, yep. Did it cut right there? I mean, I know they showed that scene a few times, but I don't remember how yeah. the timeline paused. Yeah, that's exactly how it paused, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we're looking for alibis for boss during the different murders. So, Shoko and Rinju's murders. Guess what? There is no alibi. She also used a PC to call us during the live stream. Well, that it, Iris and Oda were killed. So it's not so much that she did; it's, it's that she could have. So there's no alibi uh, given by the fact that she called us moments before the live stream went live. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, but luckily, we found her GPS signal. Guess where she's at? Got to tie up all those loose ends, right? She's at Hitomi's house. Oh crap. We gotta run over there. Rush over there. There's nobody in the room. But we do find Boss's cell phone. All of a sudden, behind us, coming into the building, or into the room, SWAT team busts in with the boss. And they say, we're under arrest for murder. And of course we're like, well, I didn't kill anybody. It was you. You did it. The whole thing. Yeah, sadly, she's got an entire squad around her, so I think he said, she said, it's not in our favor here. Very true. So we obviously have to escape. So we decide to flow, (laughs) flow, we decide to throw flour into the air and ignite it. Does this work? It does, actually. Flour is very flammable? uh, Incredibly. Almost explosively so. Um, don't don't try it at home, kids. But of course, it's not going to work with a regular bullet. You still need to have like the fire round that Date is using. But yes, very flammable. Gotcha. So it basically creates like an explosion and knocks out everybody, including the boss. So we're able to take the boss back to HQ and maybe sync with her to find out where Hitomi is. We still don't know where she is. So, going into this Somnia feels uh, feels a little familiar to me. It felt a lot like uh, when we first went into uh, the the first time we delve into Iris's Somnium. Mm-hmm. See a lot of murder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see her Rinju killing Shoko. We see Iris killing Rinju. We see Sojima killing Iris. And then finally we see the boss killing Sojima. We were about to see Hitomi, but we run out of time. So in this one, we're like, oh, all the, all, it's, it's a domino effect. This person kills this person, and then this person kills that person. Murderers continue killing. At this point, while I'm playing this, I'm like, 
What the fuck's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought you guys would figure it by the time when they were talking about, like, hey, if you're on the machine for too long, then you swap bodies. That's kind of my original playthrough. I was like, oh, shit, that's how they're doing it. You guys didn't have that bit of, like, a moment of, uh, like, revelation when they were discussing that? I, I did right after this. Obviously, ah, right after this, we yeah, get a lot okay. of exposition. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I was like, oh, right. Because mm-hmm. it was, to be honest with you, when they first told you about switching the bodies and stuff like that, you know, Pewter went into a little bit of detail, but it was kind of just an afterthought. You know, I was thinking, oh, we're going to switch bodies to pretend to be somebody, you know, to get more information out of somebody mm-hmm. or something like that. But I was like, oh, okay. But thinking that somebody has been doing this all along, yeah, it didn't pop into my head until later on. It's funny, because, I, I had a little bit of a similarity because the, the book I'm reading at the moment is about a bunch of murders that have happened and they're all unconnected and you're trying to figure out like, what, you know, what is the link, you know, is, is there a person doing this and it turns out it's like some parasite that gets inside people and, you know, causes them all of a sudden to start eating people. Um, like, a interesting. So, you know, I just kind of like, it got me to the point where I'm like, oh, it's not one killer doing all of this and then then I then I got to this point in the game I'm like oh all these different murders it might not be one killer right and you know right. in, in that case it was a parasite but in this case you know it could be an underlying um, person but you know that was the only similarity that I drew like both both of what I'm reading and playing are, are about these killers that nobody can seem to figure out like the link or, or how one person could be committing all these crimes right so we finally start realizing what's happening here. Whoever is in boss's head right now is our culprit. The question is, who is that person? They've been switching bodies this whole time. I thought there was going to be a scene like the thing also, where you're going to have some people in the room and everyone's saying that someone else is the killer. Right. That never happened, but... Yeah, uh, un- <laughs> unfortunately for <laughs> unfortunately for in this particular ending, everyone else is basically dead. Yeah, I was so. going to say yeah. there's no one left. <laughs> yeah, there's nobody exactly. left to say. The uh, the killer's been cleaning house on this route, so yeah, not not much yeah. left to do. So the boss sitting in front of us, whoever that is, finally decides to come clean, and they tell us they are Saito Sojima, So Sojima's son. Saito asks us how we even knew of the prototype and shows us that maybe our memories are coming back to us, perhaps from another timeline. And that's, I'm going to get back into that again because I, I still am mm-hmm. fuzzy on that. Yep. So, he was in Iris's body when we synced with her, which means... He knows of the original Cyclops killings. And, if we remember correctly, in that Somnium, we saw who was doing those killings. It was Date. Uh-oh. Prototype also, fun fact, sedates the person who is being synced into and gives a stimulant to the person that's doing the sinking. So it makes for an easy kill 
once you switch bodies. Uh, I think you got that backwards. It gives stimulant to the person that is uh, being synced into. The sinker, who is the uh, person that's doing the sync, is being uh, drugged with a sedative. So your original body gets a sedative. Your new body gets a stimulant. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confusing the two, but you know what? Like I meant it ends up where... The bad guy gets the stimulant. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there we go. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, this is, gets confusing sometimes. <laughs> so the uh, the other big thing is that the prototype, not like the ori- the new one, the original prototype requires the user to remove one of their eyes before sinking because they have to actually go into the brain. Which is funny. Of all the potential reasons thrown about in this game for why the eyes are being removed. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't think it would be a <laughs> to make your eye a USB port, essentially. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the big red, red herring is that the, the whole ritualistic killing aspect yeah. of the original Cyclops right. killer actually worked against your assessment of the situation because Rohan did it specifically out of his lust for eyes and obviously because of his uh, congenital defect and not being able to perceive uh, the right side of his uh, brain or something like that. Uh, so it just kind of worked in different ways, but definitely. Yeah, I mean, even from yeah. the first moment of the game, they're, you know, they're raising that, you know, the mm-hmm. ritualistic, you know, what, what about the way the murders have been committed? You know, it's interesting that they, they send you directly down that path and it it's all a bit of a red herring. So, to to add insult to injury, Saito, using the person's body, would then take the removed eye and eat it, swallow it, in every person. Yeah. And I put, I just put in my notes, fucking hell. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> hardcore, man. <laughs> Did they ever show a scan or anything? Was it intact? Did he swallow it like a... Um, yeah, in Rinju. So he didn't uh, chew it? No, I think just a single swallow. No no satisfying pop for that eyeball, I'm afraid. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so gross. Yeah, it is. It's so gross. Because I, I know people that eat like fish eyeballs and stuff like that. That's That's also very gross. But imagine eating a human eyeball the size of it. Like a like a small you know ugh, yeah. and I don't know if you know this, human eyeballs are actually pretty big, and they never grow. So a baby's eyeballs are the same size as an adult. I think that's why babies are so adorable, and that's why they draw anime characters with giant eyes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Like just like in my animes, you know. Yep. It's like in my Japanese animes. Yep. Uh, so, the other thing, why? Are you, so, if it's not a ri- ritualistic killing, why are you displaying the bodies in this dumb, weird fashion? Oh, I just did that just to piss you off. <laughs> so, let's break it down for a minute. Because we get the the realization, we get we get the we get the the big reveal. Saito is doing all of this because he wants his original body back. 
Date, you have my original body. I want it back. Okay. Yeah, that's why he has such a personal grudge against him, uh, because he believes that he basically took his property, and he obviously very much enjoyed his body because his body's special. Yeah. It it has that uh, instant instant uh, gratification when he's doing the killing, that uh, like overwhelming wave of pleasure that um, he gets when he's doing the killing. And even though he has killed people in the past, uh, you know, five days or whatever, he hasn't felt uh, that satisfaction, and that's kind of the reason why he wants it back. And I liked his whole speech and analogy about when does a trip end? When you get back home. And that's his final mission in order to get uh, inside of his uh, his uh, body once more. Yep. So, Date is currently in Saito's body. Number 89 is actually Rohan Kumakura. Saito was inside Rohan's body up until last year. That was whenever he was all locked up in that mental ward when he was nuts. He escaped the hospital and switched bodies with Shoko. Shoko, in Rowan's body now, went crazy, jumped off the roof, and committed suicide. Before that, Saito was in Date, which means Date's original body is number 89. Do you get that? Because I had to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes it makes total sense. It's one to one to one to one. Um, yeah. But uh, it is it is wild because you figure when you talk about like swapping bodies, it's usually like one or the other. It's never like a, like a domino series of different people swatching body uh, swapping bodies with each other. So it's kind of hard to figure out where the original thing lands. It's almost like uh, three card Monty. Where you're trying to find your card, but if they ask you, hey, where's the other card that was here before? And if you're kind of caught off guard, you ha- you'll have no idea, you know, where that yeah. card originally was and where it ended up. So I can understand the confusion. Yeah. Also, yeah. some of these switching bodies happened in the past five days, while some of these switching bodies happened six years ago. You know, it's just like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, then we jumble up all the timelines together. <laughs> yeah. So obviously Saito wants his body back and to get that he shows us a little video and it's got Hitomi there in kind of almost like comic book fashion she's she's tied up with bombs strapped to her <laughs> yeah uh, did you did you guys ever play like that game where it's like final fight or something like that and when you get a game over screen you see you get the character that you're playing strapped up with like TNT and there's a countdown that's going on Yep, and they're yeah. trying to blow it out. Yeah, exactly. And then if you press start to continue, they'll blow it out and then you can continue the game, but otherwise it'll just go boom. Yep, I totally remember that. That's exactly what it looked like. Yeah. Yep. Heavily referenced in the book New Arcadia. New Arcadia? Yeah, it. it's basically a book that seems like it was published a year ago to ride the coattails of Ready Player One. 
Okay. It wasn't terrible. It was very much about some... It's basically about some people living through the pandemic. And because the pandemic gets really, really bad, they start to put people into this virtual reality world, and that happens to be 100% based on Final Fight. Even, the, even down to the like whole the whole thing. Yeah, the, the the world itself is is based on Final Fight that they live. Why, in. why Final Fight of all yeah. game worlds, man? <laughs> I don't know. It's not the richest game world in my mind, but they, it is not. They play through level one of the game, basically. Is oh, Cody geez. there? <laughs> yes, all all of the characters are there. Okay, Haggard. The mayor, he's there? Uh, yeah, more so the enemies, but... Gotcha. Long-haired girl and that type of thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's just kind of a, a funny random thing to base a book on. No kidding. So the whole book's based on that? Them in Final Fight? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's more to it than that, but I, I wouldn't spoil it, because if, you, if you'd like Ready Player One, this, it's a nice, easy read. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Perhaps when they make a movie out of it eventually. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. And 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 the movie like completely rewrites the majority of the book. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So we have we have we have two options. We switch bodies, give Saito his body back, or Hitomi blows up. So, me being the idiot I am, I kept saying I'm not switching bodies. <laughs> And then I just watched Hitomi blow up, Ooh. and it says, "It says bad end." <laughs> I was like, "Great." Did you think he Here's was bluffing or something? I don't know. I was just gonna <laughs> see what happened. All right. I tried it once when they got the gun kind of hovering around. I'm like, "All right, shoot him." <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh no, I can't make that shot. It's too far away." And then I said, "All right, drop yeah. the gun." I did that too. I did that too. Very Metal Gear. End of the end of Metal Gear. For that one. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and here's the other thing I found out is that if you get the bad end, you have to go through the entire thing again. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> I held down the fast forward button. Yeah, <laughs> that so, does do a pretty good job of fast forwarding the stuff, so it's not too bad. But yeah, that's yeah, funny. yeah. So we we'll say, okay, fine, I'll switch bodies with you. So we switch bodies. And I put in my notes, Hitomi blows up anyway. <laughs> That's right. Because what he specified is that he'd tell us where she is, but didn't specify whether or not we still have time to save her. Right. Yeah. Saito's kind of a dick, you guys. I'm not sure if you noticed this. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, can't definitely. Trust him. During that, so after that happens, Aiba, because, you know, he's now in, in Date's body, or I guess... He's in his original buddy, but Iba's in there. She zaps Saito, Saito, and knocks him out. And Date's laying there on the ground. And in, in Boss's body, by the way, which is and, uh, injured as hell. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, God. But he starts remembering, there's things I can do to make this not happen. And he remembers the parallel universes where things could possibly be better. Almost like a wish, right? Like, if there is another me somewhere out there, you know, 
then make this something that that can be fixed. You know, right? Yeah. Just in, so it, there's in a if you're talking about the the annihilation ending, basically all the main characters are dead in this ending. Uh, and despite Saito kind of being unconscious, you know, Boss is also dead too because her consciousness died in Sosajima's body too. So. I think when you're in like the pit of despair, you'll try to reach out for any possible hope that you want. So I'm not sure if this is kind of telling as to whether or not Dante actually believed it, but so much to the point where he's so desperate that he's willing to hope and believe anything at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, at this point, I was thinking, man, like imagine getting beat up, kidnapped, strapped into this machine, going through a nightmare hellscape through a, through a sink waking up realizing you're in somebody else's body and then getting murdered yep that's <laughs> hardcore that is, that is that is incredibly hardcore yeah it's interesting it's one of the things that I think I don't know not not that the game ever should have kind of played with that more but there is definitely that underpinning of these people go through some horrendous things and some of it is is kind of referenced and, and played with, and some of it isn't. They keep it a little bit lighter than they could have. Yeah, this this could have definitely been like a hard M. It already has a mature rating for obvious reasons, but this I wouldn't be surprised if they needed to censor things just to get an M rating instead of like the uh, you know dreaded X rating where you can you know get that game published anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So it's time to go back again. We've now unlocked the the final true path. So we go back to being woken up in the prototype. Number 89, a.k.a. Saito, is sitting there with a gun to us. Rinju's body's laying there, dead as a doornail. Must have just switched bodies. Question is, timelines are blending together. He hasn't killed Iris or Hitomi yet because he wants his body back to feel those endorphins. Feel right. that feel that glory. So he it's not so much that he hasn't yet, uh is that he's certainly tried to kill Iris and other people that's connected to uh Date, but he, he failed due to the choices that we made and kind of the butterfly effect. Uh the whole idea with Iris um uh, not agreeing to go to the meeting spot where Renju uh, at the time, obviously being Saito, would have taken her hostage and brought her to the place, swapped bodies with Iris, and then kind of got the ball rolling on that front while, you know, killing Sosajima and then Boss and all that other stuff. That never happened because of that warning call that uh, Date gave and the promise that he ha- he made with her. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, and that's kind of the, the starting point of it. That's why this path is even possible. So, because he was using Renju's body to lure Iris, but Iris wouldn't come, he's kind of in dire straits right now because Renju was just in a car accident. He's beat up all to hell, and he knows, since he left the hospital early, (laughs) uh, I'm probably not going to live much longer, so I need to get me a new body. Well, what better way to lure Iris 
than with number 89. She knows that body. Uncle. So, he calls up Pewter using the guise of Renju and says, Hey, help me get 89 out of jail. We all know what happens there. Number 89 escapes. Gets uh, taken in by Pewter and, um, and Renju. Not knowing, I guess, that that's actually Saito. So we planned on switching, and currently in number 89 is Rohan, the, the Kumakura leader. So he takes Rohan's mind out of number 89. He goes into number 89. And Rohan goes into Renju's body. Renju's body gives out. He's, 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 he's gave up the ghost. He's dead. The, the car accident, the wounds from the car accident killed him. He died of, quote, natural causes. A car accident, but natural causes. So what about the gunman? That still happened in this timeline. You know, we had these guys come and try and kidnap Iris, try to kill us. Was that part of the conspiracy thing? No, no, I had already hired mercenaries. Simple. I was going to have them kidnap her. But once I had 89, number 89's body, I realized I didn't need those. She'd come to me willingly. But Pewter was was the loyal little lapdog, and he called them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, he gets a hold of Iris using number 89's body. She left that, she left the diner, left Oda's place, going to find the person that she trusts the most. Who she trusts the most? Number 89, aka Falco, aka Uncle, aka Hitomi's boyfriend. Then he calls up Hitomi pretending to be Falco and Hitomi comes he's got them both he also comes clean with a few other things when he was 12 years old he killed Monica when she went to go meet Sosajima at the warehouse it was his first kill he also wanted to kill her because she was screwing with the family but more, he just wanted to kill. Mm-hmm. Killing animals wasn't doing it for him anymore. Yep. After that, he then met up with the Kumakuras, specifically Rohan. Killed the six women. That was the original Cyclops murders. Was it six or four? I thought it was... Was it four or six? I can't remember. I think it's four. I wrote down... It was probably four. I, w- I went. I wrote down six for some reason. Well, I guess if you can, if you add Monica in there, that's five. No. Yeah. So now we know who the original Cyclops killers were: Rohan and Saito. So Saito 
pulls out Ibis or Iba and puts her on the ground. Doesn't realize what she is. Just like that's a weird glass eye. Drops it on the ground. Pulls out <laughs> nonchalantly pulls out his eyeball. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how? How can you do that without even, you know, grunting? Oh, dude, that's 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 how I wash my eyes every day, you know, after work. Just just remove it from my eye socket, just give it a nice rinse on the sink, and then just put it back in. No problem. Yeah, true. Yeah. And then begins the somnium to do the final, I'm going to switch bodies. I'm going to get back into my own body. This is when we realize we're in the somnium and we're alone. I was not with us. This somnium gives us a lot of context. We see all the different switches that took place. Particularly the switch that started it all, essentially. And we get the we get the official what happened six years ago kind of thing. Right. So the memory flood that comes back happens after the swap is completed because uh, Date's officially back in his own memory and he's able to access all the things that he had forgotten in the past. Uh, but before we go to that, I, I want to point out that I actually like this Somnium like artistic design in terms of like the atmosphere and everything because the way they frame it is like you are the person inside the screen. Everything that you're seeing outside is like a, is like a reflection. And you'll see these mental locks that you become very familiar with that pop up, but they're not popping up for you. They're popping up for the other person that's sinking into you. So you see the flipped image, and things are happening, and you have no control over it because you are the sinkee, you're not the sinker. So Saito holds all the power, and you are just literally powerless to do anything despite all the efforts that you might make. And it's a very dark and grim scenario. Because you figure, you know, to Samnium, maybe there's a way to fight back, maybe you can do something. But the feeling of dread and despair, uh, not to, you know, with the music, the way everything is framed, with your own powerlessness, and the way the visual stylings work from the whole reflective side of things, I thought that was done really well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely. Hang on a second. Uh, you were about to mention uh, the very beginning when all the memories came back. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, basically, <clears throat> we let's start. All right, let's start at the beginning. <clears throat> Falco number eighty nine, whatever we'll just call him Falco. Falco was a cop. He started kind of like vigilante killing. Yep. Got the got the the attention of the Kumakuras. Started doing hits for the Kumakuras. He wanted out. He met Hitomi after being wounded and fell in love with Hitomi, who had Iris. 
he wanted to start a life with them wanted to get out of the contract killing Rowan with the Kumakura said alright you have one last hit to do and I'll let you out the hit was for Hitomi and Iris any other hit would have been an easy out <laughs> yeah yeah the the alright I'm, I'm, I'm starting to I'm starting to mix things up here. At this point, the Kumakuras know who Hitomi and Iris are, right? That's right. But they don't know Date's connection to them. Right. Mm -hmm. But they, but they, but Rohan knows who they are because Sosajima initiates the hit. No, no. So Sujima, um, uh, it becomes, uh, becomes aware of it. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't order the kill. He's innocent on that okay. part. Yeah. Okay. Alright. So. Whew. You're right, Drew? <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm trying to get, alright. Jay, take over from here. Cause I'm, okay. I'm, 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 I'm getting confused. I'm gonna screw this up. <laughs> okay. So, basically, the story goes, obviously, this is a scenario where uh, Falcos, a.k.a. Date, is not going to kill Hitomi and Iris. He, he loves them both very much at this point, uh, and he wants to la- uh, leave the, uh, the criminal life for them. But at the same time, he understands that even if he were to kill Rohan or did whatever to kind of bring, the, uh, bring Iris and Hitomi with him, they'll be hunted down forever. And they'll eventually be killed. He can't protect them forever. Uh, so he went over to his uh, good friend, the boss, who he knew from the police academy. They were in the same graduating year. And they basically uh, put together a plan, uh, an impossible plan. The boss said, we have this technology that I'm in charge of, uh, you know, called the sync machine, and it allows you to swap uh, bodies with another individual. So if you were to take Rohan... And you were to go ahead and get into his body and call the hit off on Hitomi and Iris and say that they're untouchable and basically kind of got rid of Rohan, you know, after this order was, uh, you know, pushed out and then it went back to his own body, then that would be it. Then, you know, Date and Hitomi and Iris could kind of go about their lives without having to, you know, look over their, uh, shoulders for the rest of their life. That was the plan. However, what they did not anticipate is that after the swap with uh, the uh, with Rohan, they realized that he was one half of the Cyclops killers. Yes. And this is kind of where everything went off the rails. Because right. of this revelation, they thought that not only should he use his connection with the Kumakuras uh, to take off the hit, he should also contact the other individual, Saito, in order to have him incriminate himself bring him in and put an end to the Cyclops killers for good. Because, of course, even if they knew, having, you know, stolen Rohan's body and some of his memories of the truth, that can never be used in the court of law. So they needed something more concrete. So Rohan decided to approach Saito uh, to kind of make him incriminate himself and kind of use whatever he can. But Saito, being the clever person that he is, he recognized that Rohan wasn't acting himself. So he basically beat the shit out of him, used truth serum, 
and basically got the information about the sink machines and the swapping of the bodies uh, and whatnot. And he also learned of the prototype sink machine, which happened to be in transit uh, in a nearby area. So he ordered the Kumakura to steal that device from uh, from you know from the police and bring it over. And decided like, hey, you know, this is a brand new way to kill. This is a brand new experience for Saito. And being the thrill seeker that he was, he decided that he wanted to give it a shot. Uh, and then he wanted to switch or switch swap bodies with Rohan, aka Date, at the time. But because this is a prototype machine, and also because you know it was taken in from a heist, it might have been damaged, and the device malfunctioned. And during the sync, it did not completely work. And what ended up happening is that they did end up swapping bodies, but um, Saito, who was now in Rohan's body, was basically crippled mentally, uh, to the point where he was almost uh, like a vegetable and wasn't really able to do much at all. Uh, yeah. And Date, now in uh, Saito's body, was able to escape before the other, you know, goons basically figured out what was happening. But because he had transferred his consciousness in such a way, he didn't retain his own memories. Um, and he was found later, uh, you know, kind of roaming the streets with Boss, who decided to kind of use his opportunity to kind of put him under her watch. That way she can kind of watch over him and make sure that uh, he doesn't get in trouble and maybe ultimately try to return him back to his body at some point or another. Um, and that's kind of how, how that story ended up happening. Yeah. We did, we did did we did you did you miss the the part where they showed up at Hitomi got shot and all that stuff? Yeah. So that was the part where after yeah, they, so that's the part with the the initial part when they first swap bodies with Rohan and uh, Date. Uh, Rohan, uh, in Date's body at this point, you know, is, is a police officer, so he was basically able to just walk away and to take yeah. revenge on what um, Date had done to him, and uh, and also to kind of complete his own hit hit uh, hit job, he decided to go and uh, kill Hitomi and Iris himself. And obviously, being in the body of Date, uh, it was very easy for him to get access. So that very beginning scene where we see Rohan and Boss burst through the door. With uh, Date being there, pointing the gun at them, was actually the op- kind of the other way around, where Rohan, aka Date at the time, was trying to shoot, uh, uh, you know, the actual Rohan slash in uh, Date's body, but ended up in a situation where Hitomi took that bullet and she got that, uh, you know, a left arm being paralyzed from that accident. So that's kind of right. solves the mystery of that. So if you remember the very first Somnium in. Um, in Date's memories, the person that shows up with the gun, what Hitomi being on the ground, it actually showed you everything from the very beginning. We just That's didn't right. know how to interpret it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that's one thing I really like about this game is that you see things early and you, your perspective on it changes as you go. Oh, oh yeah, man. Like I said, the, the second playthrough of this game was wonderful. I'll I'll bring up a couple of things after we uh, wrap up, but. Uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to, to hear your takes on some of the the interactions with certain characters and certain situations. We'll have a completely different meaning knowing what we do now. No. So we're now back in Dante's original body, Falco. He's missing an eye. Um, 
And um, Saito's back in his original body. He still has Aiba put back into his head, not knowing what Aiba is. Right, but because um, she was tasered, a lot of her systems are down. So yes. she can't, yes. uh, you know, pop out of his eye, you know, when she wants and kind of like taser him like she did in the Annihilation route. So she's kind of almost like just a glass eyeball at this point and not able to do much. So ju- just to be clear, when she popped out of his eye, that was the physical ball that was jumping out of his eye or like her essence came out of the eyeball? Oh no, the literal eyeball comes out. So if you see those scenes when Aiba is like sitting on a desk in her little small eyeball form, you'll notice that uh, Date has his eye closed because he, he, the eye is no longer there. She's literally yeah, physically staying there. Pops out. Yeah. 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 So we're in the warehouse. We're trying to find Iris and Hitomi. And, um,. MoMA shows up. Is that the first one that shows up? Yep, MoMA shows up. Yep. MoMA shows up. He's bringing. He brought his hunting rifle with him, and uh, he's there to help Iris and Hitomi. Um, a little bit later on, uh, Mizuki and Oda show up as well, and they're there to help. Um, we're able to get Iris, so Mizuki beats the living crap out of. <laughs> I'm surprised he's still alive after this. It, it it probably isn't the first time she's done that to Date's body. To be fair, no, she's yeah. probably got a lot of pent up aggression. <laughs> oh yeah, she was not holding back in the slightest. Yeah, but she beats the crap out of him. We get the we we rescue Iris. She's back with us now. But Hitomi, where is Hitomi? Honestly, it took me a minute to try and find them because I hit like, hey, find them. I'm like, okay. So I looked everywhere and I was like, oh, I look up and oh, there they are. Yeah, Jesus. I spent a lot of time on the sides because there's a ladder on one side, there's stairs on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drew, if, if you had an eyeball, you know, you would have been able to see that in an instant. So just remove your left eye and just welcome your new AI overlord is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah push yeah, the zoom right. button. Yeah, exactly. The zoom button, the x-ray function, thermal vision. It's got like Night free... It's got free HBO Max and everything. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, he's got her there. He's got a gun to her head. Hitomi. And uh, he's like, I'm going to blow her brains out. So put down that gun or I'm going to kill her. So we have the option of putting down the gun or taking the shot. So... I chose to take the shot multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> I got another bad end. He just shoots her in the head. That's it. So we learned that Drew is not good in the hostage situation is what we learned because <laughs> he lets his Tommy die every single time. If you test me, I will always <laughs> fail. So. Because I will deliberately try to. <laughs> So I went back, had to fast forward a lot, and uh, put the put the gun down. Of course, he's laughing. You idiot! You really think I'm just gonna let her go? I'm gonna blow her up. Nope. Hmm. Iba 
Iba uh, appears on, I think it was Oda's phone, I think? Yeah, he, he, yeah. she uses Oda's phone to communicate. Yep, and she talks to us and says, there's only one way we can stop this. Self-destruct. But that means it'll kill you. But it's to save Hitomi. So we have to do the... We have to do the the the, the fail-safe. Which is this long string of numbers, which I'm glad they didn't make me memorize. <laughs> and then you had to tell a deliberate lie. And he said that at the, the, the deliberate lie was, I hate you. And I never want to see you again. And I never want to see you again. And she confirms and self-destructs. That was a nice pop, by the way. I love I love how gory this one is. That was they, hardcore they gory. Right there. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like that, yeah, definitely. That, that shot lingers on that that stub for a while there. That head's gone. It just explodes. Yeah, it's satisfying because of all the terrible things that Saito has done, but it's also confusing because it happens to the body of the main character. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and poor Hitomi just covered in everything. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> she has been traumatized multiple times. And yeah, so that's that's the end of the Cyclops Killer. It cuts to three months later after that. And now in our original body, uh, Date continues to assume the, the, the name of Date. And, um, he's going around with Iris and we have to go visit pretty much everybody that's in this game. Yeah. So the if you're curious, uh, the explanation of why he's able to go around calling himself someone whose face is completely different, they say that uh, the the events of three months ago left him in such a state where he had to have facial reconstruction surgery, and that's kind of the explanation that they've been giving to everybody. Basically, it's like, oh, that's that's why I, I look and sound different now, but you know, hey, it's just it's still me. But because of the entire ordeal, uh. They, I guess the police or the, the headquarters or something decided to donate enough money to get those nano machines to uh, remove the tumor from Iris. So she is, she's going to be okay. Yeah, you got to use that hush money. Yeah, hush yeah. money. Please don't talk about this. Please don't tell everybody that we have a, a body switching machine. <laughs> Uh, so we go and visit everybody, and it's pretty much just a wrap-up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody saying their goodbyes, that kind of thing, and we see everybody. But uh, the the last place, well, all right, before the last place we go to, we go back to the, to the headquarters, and for some reason, boss knocks us out. I was like, "What is going on now?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, triple twist. Yep. So. She knocks us out. We wake up in the in the sink room. Pewter's there. Which isn't Pewter? Shouldn't he be arrested at this point? 
He was. A boss took him out of prison for this specific thing. Okay, so he goes back to prison after this? Yeah. <laughs> okay, gotcha. But obviously, you know, he's going to get some perks out of it, like maybe some reduced uh, sentencing or something like that. Sure. Aiding and abetting a serial killer, I don't know about that. but He didn't know uh, it was a serial killer. Oh, true, but... Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, he's like, yep, we're all done here. He's like, what did you do? Don't worry about it. I did it for the boss. Oh, before you get to the final part, uh, the scene at the Kumakura, you gotta admit, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. The M- MoMA really wants the motorboat Iris. <laughs> what a random thing for him to request, right? Yeah. So, uh, he tricks him into motorboat and has one of his own henchmen. And they just leave. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I've never felt more alive. He's so ridiculous. excited. So ridiculous. Uh, so, I mean, Mom, I mean, cause outside of the fact of like, you know, Moma being like a Yakuza and all this other stuff, like, he, he saved our lives, man. Like, he was the first one on the scene, like, actually, you know, stopped Saito from, you know, pulling the trigger from killing, you know, Hitomi and Iris and all this stuff, so he deserved a better reward than that, I think, but hey. I think so, too. But it, it is what it is. Yeah. So, uh, we go to the final area, which is going back to the to the docks. And they're like, why do you want to come here? I said, because I have something to show you. I want you to close your eyes. So we close our eyes, and when we open them, I was standing there, and we're like, "What? How? How, how could? How can this be?" Pewter had installed another, another, uh, I guess, ball into his eyeball, and Iba is there, and she said that all of her memories, even though they were wiped had been stored over the course of so many years around the world and they were able to collect that data and reconstruct her so she's back what did everybody choose to do when you first saw her <laughs> I screamed like a girl of course like a little girl like... I was uh, stunned I cried Oh, that's nice of you, yep. Drew. I just wanted to be that way. Yeah. I figured it would be a nice little ending. Yeah, and also, like, I, I did tear up during um, Iba's scene with the whole self-destruct thing. I was like, oh, fuck. Because uh, I yeah. really enjoyed the the body cop nature of Iba and Date throughout this entire game, kind of. Date being this dumb, incorrigible horn dog, and Iba trying to, you know... And be there to help him out and kind of almost like his keeper in a lot of ways uh, and I, I like that uh, relationship yeah yeah definitely so yeah um, the only way to celebrate now is with a dance number not any dance number the dance number the dance number of the century with every single character in this game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I noted before, it's one of those like Bollywood endings where all the main characters show up and they're all like dancing and stuff like that. So you see like Mama, 
Um, you see, like, Hitomi dancing even with her crippled left arms. So this is obviously not canonical. It's just kind of there for the giggles. But yeah. uh, it's, it's pretty funny. They put some emotional lines in there with, like, Ota talking about, like, uh, his mom and stuff like that. And Mizuki kind of kicking everybody's ass and all this other stuff. It's, it's a good bit of flavor. I like it. No. But it's the same damn song. <laughs> I hate that song so much. It's so bad. Yeah, it's not supposed to be good, but I get you. Yeah, I know, I know. And that's 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 the end. I was thinking maybe there'd be like a little thing at the end. I think you know. I think we so had enough twists and turns in this game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, somebody somebody on the other revolver also on the other end. <laughs> Mr. President, you know, or something like that. But yeah, that's 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 the ending. Um, obviously, Be- that's not the end of the story because the the new one's coming out in a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yep. Uh, so questions? I do have two uh, questions. Uh, before we do that. Let us go back to the past. Oh, I was fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about being right or wrong, Drew. It's about the conclusions that you draw along the way. So, sure. going back to the question that I asked was, who is the new Cyclops killer and why do you think so? Drew said she uh, he believed that it was Irish. She was kind of the constant. She's in every situation. And she clearly seems to know a lot more than she lets on. And uh, guess what, Drew? You're right. Iris was the killer. Te- technically. That's right. Technically, I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, that's the thing about it. It's like, even if you don't know, or if, even if you guessed it, um, like kind of like a wild ballpark figure, this is the one situation where you can be technically correct with so many different answers. And that's one of the reasons why I brought this question up, because it would be a satisfying moment where you actually got it right. So yeah. good, good on you, Drew. You got it right. And uh, Matt, you said Date was the killer. Yeah. And in truth, Date's original body is Saito Sujima. So you are also correct. That's a serial <laughs> killer. <laughs> there were very few answers that could have been incorrect in You're this right. particular case. <laughs> Boss was the killer. Yep. So Sejima was the killer. killer. Rohan was the killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so basically, most of the cats could have been considered uh, the killer at some point or another. If you said, like, if I remember, like, uh, you, you brought up Hitomi as the first uh, thing that you mentioned in the fir- after the first episode, Drew. So if you kept with that, then you would have been incorrect on that That's front. Right. But uh, you guys course corrected, and despite being wrong, you are still both technically correct the best kind go. of correct exactly <laughs> so good good job guys well done well done well played Cl- clearly uh, outsmarted the game and knew every twist along the way to come to those conclusions trust me I didn't know anything in this game <laughs> <laughs> and all the better for the experience was so alright yeah. so let's go and uh, go to those questions that you're talking about Drew so the first question I have what were we actually doing in these other timelines? Because obviously it could you could just have it a throwaway thing of oh it's it's just it's it's a it's not never really happened. 
But that's not true. Yeah, there's clearly references between them. Yeah. Can you give me references? Multiple times he was like, oh, I remember this place, but I've never been here before. But couldn't that be explained by the fact that he lost his memories as uh, the original Date slash Falco and is getting back some of those memories now? Possibly that, but what about the conspiracy theory thing? What about it? That was just um, basically uh, Iris's delusions, were they not? Okay, not the conspiracy theory things. The parallel universes thing. He remembers parallel universes. Iris saying those words. That didn't happen before he would switch bodies. Wasn't Date talking with Iris about how he likes the occult and talking about all these different religious figures and mythologies and stuff and that's kind of the way Iris was originally introduced about that stuff? Possibly. Mm. Give me some other examples. I I can't think of any right now. Um, Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It was mostly the references to the other you know, j- just to discussions and stuff that happened in other timelines. All right. Let yeah. me what? let me give you guys one definitive um, example that can't be re- uh, rebuked. Uh, kind of like what I just did with the other examples. Mm-hmm. At the very end of the game, um, Mizuki, Date, and Iris are at Lamnus Gate, and they're talking to each other. And Mizuki is mad at Date because of the way they cook their eggs, because you know. They're still like that. And Date kind of goes back and says, like, well, no, I mean, come on, like, you don't hate me. Like, you, you love me and you worship me. Like, you remember that time you're at the hospital and then you're talking about, like, how, how much you care for me and stuff like that? And Mizuki's like, what the hell are you talking about? That never happened. <laughs> right. And it's like, I was definitely in the hospital, wasn't I? Exactly. So that is only a handful of number of scenarios. Most other ones that you can bring up as examples of references to other parallel universes can be deduced and kind of explained the way in the way that you know, Date is not in his original body, he lost his memories and it might be something referenced to something that he did in the past. But that example uh, specifically cannot be explained in any other way other than what we just discussed as the possibility of him accessing parallel world uh, memories. Right. The analogy that they came up with uh, originally, if you remember, is a forest of bamboo trees. When you look at the surface and you see all these bamboo trees sticking out of the ground, you can clearly see that they're not connected. They're not together. They're individual trees. But looking at the roots underneath the ground, they are a part of a whole. They're part of one interconnected layer of different roots and everything. So what we see in the surface may not be exactly what we're looking at. There might be more to it than that. And that's kind of the way the game leaves it. They don't say, uh, they don't agree or they don't spell it out for you whether or not there is some kind of parallel world thing going on. But they hint at it very strongly. And especially at the very end, they almost confirm it with that one specific example. And that's very deliberate. And I think that's what they'll get into in the sequel? Well... I am playing the sequel for review right now, so I'm not going to comment on any of that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so that's that's not. I kind of like that because it is it's one of the situations like in Inception 
does this does the does the spin you know stop or does it keep going you know you don't you right. don't really know it's just hard to tell because for every example that it kind of seems to prove that there is there's like five examples that kind of show that there isn't so it's it's an interesting situation I kind of like the way they left it open ended like that yeah and the uh, the other question was I still never figured out what the heartbeat yeah. moments were for. Oh, dude, you you nailed it on more more or less on the head. That was a huge hint. Consider the situations of every single time that the heartbeat happens. The first one that you mentioned, I believe, is one there at the Kumakura office, and he knows about Ron. And when he sees Moma there, and he says like, "You're not you're not the leader of the Kumakuras. Rohan is." Meanwhile, Date in his present form had never met Rohan. Only himself, Falco, with his deep-seated hatred of Rohan, knew about him. And that's kind of the way he remembered it. So, because of that, it triggers something in his mind, like kind of like deja vu. It's like, oh, look, that doesn't seem right. Right? The same thing happens when you go to the uh, Iris' house for the first time. If you consider the idea about Date's relationship with Iris, he doesn't actually know who Iris is when he initially meets her. It's only when he sees her together, what he told me, in his subconscious he pieces together who they are. And at that moment, the heartbeat comes in and says, oh shit, this is someone that, you know, I, I deeply care for. But he doesn't have any idea how to interpret that emotion. And that's what that heartbeat is. Every single time the heartbeat happens, it's a moment just like that. When he's accessing a part of his memory that he currently does not have full access to, and he's kind of remembering things in pieces, kind of like deja vu. Every single time that happens, it's exactly that kind of a moment. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the, the fact that you brought it up, I thought was excellent because a lot of people just kind of skip over it, kind of like a, like a gameplay cue or something like that, so that you kind of pay attention more. But it was a hundred percent part of the story. Gotcha. I kind of figured it was because it was so deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, did you have any questions? Uh, no. I mean, that first one was the big one for me. Um, you know, what was what what's actually underpinning these? different timelines and different mm-hmm. universes. So, you know, I guess we don't know. Uh, in some ways, I guess it's interesting that it's left open because it's something to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think there is one other scenario when it delves into that. Remember that scene where they first bring up the parallel world and you play rock, paper, scissors against Iris? Mm-hmm. Did either of you guys, after either winning or losing or tying with Iris, go into the flowchart to see if it created a different path? No. No. Because if her theory was correct, and if those individual actions were to have created a different path, and that path was kind of representative of the flowchart that we've been following as kind of the representation of the parallel worlds that we've been traversing, wouldn't that have created... A different line at that point in time But if you go there After winning, losing, tying or whatever The path stays direct Kind of pointing you to the idea That there are no parallel worlds And this is a part of Iris's uh, Delusions So this is what I mean that They play both sides of this Very strongly <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, So that's one of the things And the other things that I would point out is 
Consider in the moment where Saito was inside of certain certain people's bodies, right? If you remember the situation, like for example, Matt, you played through the B route, where Iris is, was not taken over by uh, by Saito, and you had a very different impression of her compared to Drew, who played through the A route, who basically had Iris taken over by Saito near the beginning of the game. She was kind of standoffish, she wasn't as cheerful, and all these other things, and she had different little mannerisms that you could pick up on, because at the time, they were completely different people. And if you consider situations like when Sosujima was taken over by Saito in that uh, ending, where we actually inadvertently killed the Cyclops killer at that moment by killing, uh, killing Sosujima, is he mentions things, uh, like about having... Uh, Dying by your own father And he also mentions the specific words Do you like fireworks Yeah And that's something that Saito loves a lot He believes in the moment where The the brain basically explodes Out of the person's skull It's like a beautiful firework And he refers to that all the time And also in that situation Where you are uh, meeting Sosajima For the first time And he doesn't even ask you who you are He just looks at you you're wearing the face of his son And he just says You And he's immediately disgusted By the fact that he has to see you again uh, After you were taken away By the police So all the little interactions That you've had so far Between all the characters Changes dramatically in tone Considering a who is actually The person that you're talking to And their previously previous relationship and then the last one that I would mention, I think you guys probably might have noticed, is uh, Boss's really strange mannerism when she's doing this thing with her hand, almost yeah. like kind of like she's got this like carpal tunnel syndrome or something like that. And when you mm-hmm. see and meet uh, Saito for the first time as Rohan, he's doing the exact same thing. It's almost like a tick that he has. Uh, yeah, I definitely didn't pick up the similarity, but I noticed Boss with the with the weird hand motions. Yeah, yeah, and there's like, that's like scratching the surface, there's like hundreds of more stuff. And like I told you guys before, uh, replaying the game has like made me realize like how much was done to kind of show you what was happening from the very beginning to the very end of the game. It was like a machine gun of hints and foreshadowing that was shot directly at my face, and I dodged all of it. <laughs> like yeah. a dumbass in, in my initial playthrough. And that's, that's I think, Really, really incredibly impressive. Because how can you make something seem so obscure and difficult to figure out while giving so many hints along the way? You know what I mean? Like, uh, that kind of storytelling is hard to do, man. Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a fine line to walk because, you know, something like The Sixth Sense, if people get the twist early, like it, it loses its impact, you know, it's not gonna be that kind of iconic movie. But if people watch it and don't understand it at all, you know, it's also hard to fully connect with it. Sometimes I, people have said that about uh, maybe the movie Primer. Have you seen that? That sounds – that rings a bell in my head, but I don't remember it. It's a time travel movie. It's just super convoluted. So it's a, it's a great movie, but, like, you, you, you don't have that moment, like, in The Sixth Sense where you're like, I get it now. Like, oh, all these things make sense. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I watched that movie on your recommendation, <laughs> and I still don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so hard to know. But like, 
This game, it, it does try to walk that line, right? You want to give enough hints so that it feels like you should have gotten it. So it feels like a bigger reveal, kind of. But, it, you know, if you give too many and, and, and everything is spoiled early, then, you know, maybe it doesn't have that impact at the end of the game. So it's it's definitely a hard line to walk to know how much info to give or yeah. how many hints and, to give. And that's right. even harder on video game form because, like I said, all all three of us could have played radically different paths. Like, we could have been playing, like, B route from the beginning and then the A route and A-B route and... We could have experienced the events of the story in very different ways, and ultimately it would have still worked in the same exact way in terms of like the revelation and stuff like that. And I think that's very, that's very impressive too, because if you're talking about a movie, uh, as a director, you have the say so on when the viewer is going to see what scene at any given point of time. And that's a hundred percent to your control. The same thing will goes for uh, a writer, you know, writing a book. It's all very linear unless you're doing some choose your adventure nonsense. But that's a whole other ballpark. But in terms of a video game where you can make decisions, choose your own path, and unlock different parts of the story, to make all of that work, I think the amount of scenario, uh, like writing and fine tuning, mu- must have been intense. Yeah, and the number, the amount of times they probably rewrote and went through mm-hmm. and. You know, yeah. so is, is this one thing too obvious or not? Let's tone it up, tone it down. Uh, I can only imagine how many iterations they had to do. Yeah, yeah. it's a, my yeah. utmost utmost request uh, respect to the directors and writers of this, uh, and they really follow suit because uh, you know Zero Escape Games, Nine 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 Version Slash Reward, Zero Time Dilemma are all very similar to this in terms of its scope and impressiveness in terms of the storytelling. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you enjoyed our, you know, listening to our playthrough of this game, obviously I'm gonna, you know, recommend uh, the sequel to the game, which is gonna be out in like a week. But, you know, delve back into the previous games. The Nolary games on Steam or, you know, whatever system that you like that has the 999 versus Relax Reward is a great place to start. They're both terrific games. And then you can complete the trilogy with the Zero Time Dilemma and then so on and so forth. Uh, very talented people have made this game. Yeah. So we do have an email. Nah. Email comes in from Dustin. And I don't think he was too hot on this game. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read this in its entirety, so you better buckle up. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. The title is Sophie Was Right. Hey, guys. Let me sum up my experience with this game. Phoenix Down. Game Pass. All set. A set. <laughs> Boring, tedious, drab, a set, let down, hate, regret, upset. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. If you can't tell, I hate this game. Not twelve min- twelve minutes hated it, but enough to wonder why this game is getting a sequel. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. I never heard about this game until Mr. J mentioned it. Once upon a time, and I gotta say, Jay usually recommends some great games, but this one was a huge whiff. I didn't know we were following a specific path until after I beat the game, so maybe I would have enjoyed it 1% better if it had went that way. Started out, I was digging it and trying to pick up on clues right away after clicking on everything so I wouldn't miss a vital clue before I moved on, and after a few areas, I was already tired of clicking on every little thing. Also, you don't really play the game since it's basically you watching an anime show. 
once in a while you'll have to click on some stuff or produce evidence against someone in the right order but nothing that requires much thought the biggest gameplay parts are when you're exploring people's minds and that wasn't even that hard as long as you pick the options with the biggest timer it seemed to work 80% of the time I ended up going down the upper left branch that ended on a dead end with the boss looking like she's the number one suspect, but I didn't have <laughs> enough evidence to proceed. All right, let's go back and do a, a bunch of different branches to find some evidence or whatever. This is where I quickly started to hate the game. I ended up going down the Mizuki route, and that really didn't add anything to the investigation and gave me some lame ending. I was ready to quit the game, but I guess I love torturing myself, so I kept playing just to see why people claim this game is so good. By now, I was basically checked out. The mystery wasn't very captivating, the characters were annoying, horny, and lame. I was also over the whole click every useless thing in the area and exhaust all dialogue before moving on gameplay. Ended up going down the Oda branch. Yay, another fake ending. Looks like I need a few more before I'm allowed to progress any. Iris Branch, really weird. What the hell am I even playing at this point? Finally, I'm able to go back and progress the first blocked-off path. Get the Annihilation ending with everyone dead. Thank God everyone dead. Roll credits. Standing ovation. Everyone is fucking dead. Hallelujah. (laughs) Best ending in the game by far. I wish this was the true ending. Jesus, man. Jeez. (laughs) But it isn't, and I came this far. I better see the real ending. I admit... There was about an hour of interesting story beats where they decided to reveal what the hell is actually going on, and yes, it's interesting. Too bad it's trapped behind 20 hours of monotony. Is this fun? Do people like this style of storytelling? Oh yeah. Here is five, here is five routes. One is the correct one, but do three fake ones before uh, you can unlock another fake ending before the actual real ending can even be accessed. Is this even a good story? There's no way in hell anyone could figure out what is going on in this game until it's revealed. Do people enjoy mysteries that purposely leave out key characters and tools until the very end? I consider a good mystery story to be told with all suspects up front keeps you guessing who the real killer is as the story unfolds. Take Knives Out, for example. Excellent storytelling where you're constantly guessing who the killer is and you know every character for the majority of the film. It's all in front of you from the start. Now look at Somnium Files. They have a bunch of closely knit reoccurring characters in every branch, but at the end, at the very end, they finally add in the true culprit and right before the climactic finale hint at the technology he is using to achieve all the different murders. Come the fuck on. This story is garbage. Drag us along one on one of the most uninteresting mysteries to keep to try and keep us guessing who the real killer could be and every route is a waste of time since it's some BS parallel world with a BS culprit or whatever when we won't even see the true killer right before the end why force four fake endings before you can unlock the true ending what's the point of that would it be would it of ruin the mystery if knew the consequences of staying insomnia for too long I would argue it would have made a better game if I knew take away your four bullshit endings you can keep some bad endings in there but just have one main route and you know this technology of body swapping exists so you 
So you're trying to deduce who is actually in the real body by exploring their somniums and who's jumping around. I'm rambling now. I really, It really doesn't matter at the end of the game. It's not even a mystery game. It's a love story between a human and his AI eye. <laughs> Shoot me now. A few things I was wondering. Why can Mizuki bench press 255 pounds like it's nothing? Did they explain this and I missed it? I think she's just super strong. It's anime, man. They... They... They kind of hint at some possibilities, but they don't spell it out for you in this game. Gotcha. If Iba can hear Date's inner monologue, why does he talk out loud to himself all the time? I I think it's just natural. I don't know. It's pretty natural to talk to yourself every once in a while. And also, it's a it's a video game, man. You gotta you can't you can't have people internalize all their dialogues. Is it weird that they can just enter your somnium without your consent? That doesn't seem legal. Yeah, I think that's why. It, I think that's why it's secret. <laughs> I, I think it is none weird, of this though, is legal. Good people, bad people—they're all like barging into people's brains without any kind of permission. You know, if it yeah. was just the bad guy doing it, you'd be like, "All right, that's what they do. No consent needed." But it is strange mm-hmm. to see the the officers doing it as well. Uh, I think the thing that they mention is that, like, oh, when they're, when they come in for interrogations, they have to sign a form. Ha ha ha, fine line, baby. That's right. Yeah, gotta read the fine print. Yeah, that's how they get you. If they, if they were trying to make Dante's horniness comic relief, they pulled of, they pulled off cringe much better. A few things I liked. Harassing that police officer about his name was one of the best things in the game. <laughs> Hitting on the secretary until she agrees to leave with you to some vacation spot for a joke ending was funny. That's it. I like two things. Anyway, see you next game, Dustin. P.S. We should all do 13 Sentinels. Mm. Oh. Uh, The logistics (laughs) of setting that up. I adored that game, but that game is even longer than this game. And the storyline is even more crazy. Like not even close. It's like way, way, way more crazy than this game. So I that's a game that I would at the drop of a hat recommend every single person in the universe play. However, whether or not I wanna do the preparations to actually cover that game in the Phoenix Down is uh is another ballpark of nonsense. Yeah. PSS I almost forgot. Are you ready? Sing it boys. Teacups that are flying on maps mystifying. <laughs> You'll think that I'm lying. This old tale of mine. A journey through time. A permanent fire. Cold frost on the pyre. Fruit never expires. You've seen it in your eyes. You've seen it in your mind. While the old bow their heads. While the blind lead the blind. The marble loses shine. The eye clouds by design. But we know in our soul the one hope, the one truth, that we can believe we can, we can make miracles. Even with the devils of time against you, never let the fire fade in you. See the golden goddess with wings of rainbow, set sail through the night sky to embrace you. Resist, allow your heart to take you, never let this merciless world erase you passing down the light of the torch to guide you 
and you shall bathe in light. Track through the dimensions. This is long as shit. I'm going to do it because I had to sit through this like five times. Track through the dimensions. Spell casting connections. The secret convictions. And when you are here, there is no need to fear. But call me a cynic approaching the limit. My heart in my lyrics. But will they break through? And will they reach you? While the old lose their way and forget about faith. While the rains turn to ice, their hearts lock like a vice. But we know in our soul the one hope, the one truth. The fires of love can warm any heart. Resist. Your dreams are worth defending. Fight on. You will be unbending. See through the void in your eye, unblinking. The pyramid of your mind unending. Revolt. Even with death impending, live on. Dream through space rending. Walking with the spirit of hope beside you. And our hope shall never die. The fires of hope will never die. Iris on a mission. The sacred herald. Let me be your guide, the rainbow seraph. Let's play together. Shovel forge our world. The arrow of time through music and rhyme while the old bow their heads while the blind lead the blind the marble loses shine the eye clouds by design we know in our soul the one uh, the, the one hope the one truth that if we believe we can we can make miracles even with devils of time against you never let the fire fade in you see the golden goddess of wings of rainbow Set sail through the night sky to embrace you. Resist, allow your heart to take you. Never let this merciless world erase you. Passing down the light of the torch to guide you. And you shall be bathed in light, the invincible rainbow arrow. Thank you for that email, Dustin. Well done, Drew. And uh, thank you for that email, Dustin. While our opinions on the game might differ very greatly... I do appreciate you sitting through it. I think it's admirable of you to kind of play f- through a game that's kind of like not really your jam. And uh, that's kind of sometimes... Sometimes that can be beneficial. You might discover some aspects of a game that generally isn't something that you really enjoy. And then find some enjoyment in that. But at the same time, other times you're going to end up in a situation like this where you don't get a lot of enjoyment out of it. But the fact that you stuck with it and you, you know, beat the game and everything, that's still pretty admirable in my book. Um, so good job, man. Good work. I actually Please. also don't disagree with most of what was in there. Like, I, I, I enjoyed the game, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, there, there are some things that were a little strange. Although my, my biggest, my, I think my biggest issue overall w- with the game was really just the randomness of the Somniums. Mm. You know, like I, I, it felt like it was supposed to be based on choices, but you know, the, I, I make a tiny choice to do something completely unrelated to anything, seemingly, and then it sets me down an entire different path of the game. It doesn't, you know, it makes it feel like I don't need to pay much attention to the choices because they're not logical or the outcomes aren't logical yeah so that's the double edged nature of the Somniums Uh, they don't follow the standard rule of logic because they're happening in the dream world and that makes sense and that allows for some really 
creative and funny moments that happen in Somnium. But at the yeah. same time, like you said, if you're trying to solve a Somnium like a puzzle, uh, then you're gonna have a, have a rough time because a lot of it, truthfully, even having to play this for the game for the second time, a lot of it is trial and error. And that's going to really rub people in the wrong way. I think they give you enough tools like the restarts and resets and the fact that you have that fast forward to kind of go yeah. through the Somnium really, really quickly if you needed to. Like you can go through an entire Somnium in like a minute it's like, if you know what you're doing. Uh, so it's not too bad of a replay if you have to do things over again. But I do agree with you, Matt. Like if they had more of like a puzzle element to, of it, uh, and that kind of made the Somniums more rewarding to solve instead of just kind of having them be spectacles. I think that would have made for a better game and uh, perhaps there may some improvements on that uh, on the sequel. That 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 second or last Somnium. I there was no way I was going to do that without a guide. <laughs> I literally followed a guide line by line and failed it three times. <laughs> Jesus. And then I went on YouTube, and they took a completely different path from the guide I was looking at, and it worked. Yeah, okay. There you go. It, it was basically, yeah. I think the whole thing that they did different was they they threw up kind of non-critical path options because of the number of, like, 5 and 10x time sinks that there were. Yeah. Right? So you had to, like, use a one-second option even if it wasn't what you needed to do just so that that 10 didn't become a 50. Exactly, that's how you're supposed to handle those penalties Otherwise you literally can't mathematically beat that particular Somnium Um, So, I mean, there is gameplay elements to that Like, that is a puzzle you have to solve Like, you have to think about how often, how much time some things take And how you can uh, smartly use uh, timies and stuff like that But outside of that last Somnium Which I think, when I initially played the game I think that took me like two tries or something like that But outside of that one I think all the other Somniums were fairly simple But it really comes down to Like if you're, you know, experimenting And doing other stuff uh, Then it can get pretty rough But the final one is just punishing Because they need you to do things in very, very, very specific ways If you don't say that one timey That has like the one second for that one specific thing you're You're just dead in the water there's no, yeah. there's no way around it. So, uh, situations like that can pop up. But you know, like I said, I'm reviewing, I'm reviewing the new game right now. I'm still under embargo when this goes up, so I can't say anything. But let's hope that they make improvements on that front. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, as far as my final thoughts on the game, I, I I enjoyed it for the most part. There were a few things I was just like, uh, you know, like some of the Somniums. Um, some of the, some of the, yeah, clicking every single thing, exhausting everything. There was very few times where I, I didn't have to do this quote flavor text. I could just move on. Mm-hmm. But some of it was just like kind of exhausting every option. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of um, that for sure. Yeah. But not as far as the overall mystery. I mean, this game went places I didn't think it was going to. So I, I, it took me by surprise on that front. I like I, I didn't mind the 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 quote fake paths that led to just a uh, an ending that that didn't solve anything. Um, well, that's my disagreement with Dustin on those points, right? There, none of those are, are fake path. They are integral to understanding the overarching storyline and its main players. 
Uh, the only one yeah. that you can even maybe possibly throw away as a not, not uh, kind of like non-consequential might be Otez. But at the same time, you can't have every single thing be, you know, completely relevant uh, and then 100% keyed into the story. You need some red herrings in there as well. So I understand Dustin's frustration with the way he figured it. Uh, but the way I interpreted this, uh, this, uh, storytelling method is kind of like in a way where it's almost like, uh, a jigsaw puzzle. You're getting pieces of the story from different corners, and you have a jigsaw puzzle, you have pieces and you're given them, and you're trying to piece them together, and you're trying to figure out what the overall picture is. It's not, it's not like a street shot to the end, uh, Otherwise, you'll be missing missing a lot of critical information. And despite all this information that you get throughout the different routes, they still need to go through this whole process of explaining everything to you at the very end because a lot of people probably will be confused at that point. And yeah. imagine if they didn't have those other endings and other scenarios that happened to explain a lot of the other scenarios and possibilities that could have been, then you would have been even more confused. So... Yeah. I, I understand the frustration with the game not telling the story in a way that you find like kind of most easy or most comprehensive to the way that you like to understand the story. Like for example, I also love uh, Knives Out. I think that's a great story. But the st- kind of storytelling and the level at which you have to really integrate different parts of the story from a movie and a video game standpoint where you have the choices that you can make here is completely different. So I don't think that's a fair comparison. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it's almost just like two different styles. Like they're yeah, they can both be good, but you know, you got one that's almost more like a cozy mystery where uh, all the pieces are in front of you. Can you put it together before the movie does? Mm-hmm. But this is definitely not that. This is a lot of you know a lot more abstraction and a lot more you know f- figuring out a wider mystery rather than just uh, a, a quote unquote simple who done it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to go back to that point where we're talking about like, oh, the the whole the the culprit comes up at the very end. That's not actually true. Like Saito Sosujima's son actually referred back to way earlier in 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 the game, and you could have actually accessed that part of the game earlier as well, depending on the path that you played through. The same goes for the the whole body swapping. They actually hint at that throughout the entire fucking game, like nonstop. They hint at it constantly. You just didn't notice it at the time. Um, so, you know, it's it's uh, it, it kind of comes down to how you're able to interpret the data, data that they pre- uh, present to you. And if you are like checked out and if you're not really paying attention, then obviously, then you're not gonna see any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The, the two things. So I, I would say overall, I really like the game. The two other things that would have put it over the top for me. Um. One is the characters. I like the characters. There was none that I, you know, found so annoying that I, I didn't want to be around. Um, you know, and you do get some really good character moments sprinkled throughout the story. Maybe a little bit more diffuse than than it could have been. But you know, when when you start to get to Oda's mom and you understand that, like that's you know that that's kind of a critical character story. That whole family dynamic that they have and. You know when you when you understand that all all of the you know conspiracy theories comes down to a tumor that you know really changes the you know the interpretation of the characters and kind of my relationship with their behaviors and what I 
you know, accept and don't accept out of what they're doing. So there, there was definitely some of that, but you know, I, 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 I never quite got that like absolute camaraderie or or or, or family that you get mm-hmm. in Yakuza Zero or Mass Effect Two. It didn't quite reach those levels to me. So I, I it was definitely not a negative. I would I would call the characters a positive in this game, but maybe not so strong a positive that they, you know, that they overwhelmed everything else. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I felt that too, Matt. Like, there could have been more things done in terms of, uh, like, character interactions to kind of show them. Like, the, there are some moments, like you mentioned, about Ota Ota's mom, Iris, and, of course, Mizuki and Date and stuff like that. But those moments could have been a little bit more frequent and kind of showed their, like, bond a little bit matter, more. So, like... um some of the moments would hit harder, right? More or less in yeah. terms of like losses and sacrifices and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely. great moments kind of sprinkled throughout, but it, they they weren't at the frequency or intensity of you know some of the best character drama games. Absolutely, I, I agree with you. And Yakuza, to be frank, is one of the best in those kind of moments too, man. Like yeah. they hit you where it hurts sometimes, though. So. Yeah. That's, that's a harsh comparison to make, but fair one at that because I know you guys been digging, digging those games. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, overall, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed the game. There are going to be some aspects of it that you guys didn't enjoy. Uh, one part that I enjoyed that wasn't mentioned, I love the fact that the entire game was voice acted, and voice acted very well. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I got to always shout out to DC Douglas, who does the voice actor voice acting for number 89, uh, a.k.a. Falco. He's the, he's the voice actor who did, like, Albert Wesker. And a bunch of other mm. really, yeah, big characters. He also did uh, uh, the main antagonist, quote unquote antagonist of the the Zero Time Dilemma game as well. So he's also has a history of the Zero Escape games. So hearing his voice and stuff like that and mannerisms is always uh, always a pleasure. And the reason why I I really kind of latched onto this game is that you guys know how much I love my stories and video games and my visual novels and stuff like that. But I felt like this game took a lot of the novel aspect of the visual novel away and made it more into a more interactive animated aspect of the visual novels meaning you don't have to just sit there constantly reading dialogue you know uh you know for every single sentence and stuff like that you can just kind of sit there let it autoplay and just enjoy the story as it plays along kind of roll with the punches with the revelations go through those creative samiums and stuff like that in here and there and although there are certain certain flaws that you guys uh, very well pointed out i felt like this was a game that was going in the right direction in terms of what the future of visual novel kind of games ought to be. More, I guess, more present uh, presentation values and kind of adding more gameplay elements that are enjoyable to do instead of it just being a very passive experience. And, um, you know, I... As I'm playing through the sequel right now, whether or not they're taking the step forward is going to be determined. But, um, yeah, it just kind of stuck with me because of that. And also, I, I definitely like the Zero Escape director. So, whatever he's doing next, I'm in. Automatically. Jay, I'm going to ask you a question real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, from this director, what's your favorite game? Oof. That is tough. Hmm. You know, you, you never forget your first, right? I'm going to go with 999. Mm. Yeah. Because that was the game that, like... I played that on the original DS, by the way. And, yeah. uh, first of all, I love Escape Room. 
<laughs> like it. Like gameplay element wise, like figuring out puzzles. I love puzzle games and escape rooms are such a great element, uh, like a evolution of that because it ends up adding like stakes to the whole affair of puzzle solving. And kind of using that with this really creative storytelling uh, technique with everything that you're doing, even though it's part of the gameplay where you're swapping between different timelines and stuff like that, all being a part of the game and the way the game ends and the overarching storyline of the twist. And the presentation of it, the whole the, the DS screen with the double screen with Akane and Junpei and stuff like that, like stuck with me. That's so creative, executed flawlessly. Um, so I think that's the game that I was. I'm gonna say it's my favorite. What about you two? Virtue's less reward. Oh, that's a good one too. There's no wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, Virtue's yeah. The, the the thing that I absolutely loved about Virtue's less reward was the the friend or foe. Ah, uh, the prisoner's dilemma is so good, man. Yeah, where you can either <laughs> take points away or give some or. Mm-hmm. You, you don't know what the other person's going to choose, so you may both get screwed. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, and not to mention the, the twists and turns and the sci-fi story element of it. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's, that's, that's a good one. I have never actually played uh, Zero Time Dilemma. I have to ask you, why play through two parts of a trilogy and never bother getting <laughs> the ultimate ending? That sounds strange just, to me. I just didn't. Joe. Do yourself a favor, buy the game. It's really good. I know. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people say that it's the worst of the trilogy, and I, I uh, would agree with them. Well, well, I would agree with them, but it's like saying it's the... It's like, uh, uh, well, let's say... It's like, the, it's like having the least favorite ice cream that you have out of the three favorite ones that you picked. You know what I mean? So it's all going to be good, you know? Even if it's cold pizza, it's still fucking pizza. It's awesome. Yeah, so I I highly recommend it. And by the fact, the transitive property of you having liked the first two games and even this game will tell me that you'll also really like that game too. So I'm I'm, I'm sure I'm yeah. sure. Get to it. Looks man. like he it's also never... contributed to a Steins Gate game. So I'm intrigued even more. That's that's another one I've never played. Steins Gate. Steins Gate is a game like I adore, but I'm not sure if I'm emotionally ready to play through that game again. <laughs> Uh, Matt, you played that game, right? Oh yes, I've played through it twice. I played, I watched the anime series twice. Uh-huh. I, I played through the sequel once. I have not played through this one that he contributed to, uh, Linear it, Bounded it, Ph- Phenogram. Ah, uh, so those are great. They're part of uh, it's part of the package of the Science Gate Elite that came out, um, which is not a bad way to play through the game. I still prefer the original art style and everything, but that included. Uh, like side stories that were created by these really talented uh, directors. I believe there was also one by the Danganronpa director in there as well. Hmm. So, if you want to see some interpretation of your characters that you know and are very familiar with, but through the lens of a completely different but incredibly talented director, uh, definitely play through that. It's awesome. Yeah. The Danganronpa series is still near and dear. Me. Yeah. Remember, guys, when I told you guys, like, I think this is it, guys. I think Donkey Rampa V3 is the end of the Donkey Rampa series. And you're just like, Psh, no, they're gonna keep making more of these games. And where's the where's Donkey Rampa 4, Drew? Did you play it yet? Is it good? Technically, Donkey Rampa V3 was 53. <laughs> 
We know that. Well, I'm also going to try to spoil things for people if they didn't play the game. Thanks a lot, if Drew. They, if they've listened to our show before, they know this. What if it's a first time listener listening, happening to listen to the third part of this AI Somnium Files, man? You never know. Oh, well, that's true. Sorry, I spoiled a game from five years ago. Oh, God, has it been that long? I need my Dangan Robo fix, man. Has it been that long? Yeah. What, what, is, what, is, what is he working on now? Uh, he has a different studio. He made this game on the Switch that was like... I heard the story is good, but the gameplay is really bad, and the gameplay and frame rates are so bad that I couldn't handle it, so I never beat it. Uh, he's making this other game this like on PC and mobile or something like that. Compared to the Zero Escape director, he hasn't made anything too noteworthy lately, but I would love to see him back in action. Uh, kind of collaborating and making new games again because he certainly is talented. Yeah. But yeah, that's. I guess I think I, I think it's going to wrap us up. I uh, appreciate everybody listening. Um, if you'd like to send us an email, it's drew at ztgd dot com. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I am at dml fury. Matt is at remgs. Jay is at batusai j. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Matt and I are going to be heading back to uh, Kamurocho for the next series. We're going to uh, play Yakuza 5, finally. Slowly making our way to Like a Dragon. It's, ta- it's taking a long time, but we're getting there. <laughs> it's about the journey. Yeah, yeah. I, I And I said it before the podcast, so I'll say it here. I don't know if I'm looking forward to playing through Yakuza 5. I just, I, I, I know there's like three, there's like two characters in that game that I don't really give a crap about. There's two, there was, because there were two characters in Yakuza 4 that I didn't give a crap about. Oh, I see. <laughs> I didn't care for the, for the cop. I didn't care for the the broker. I mean, the broker was okay. Really, dude, the broker is sick. He's okay. He's okay. I, I I disagree. I think he's he's a he's a badass philanthropist. He has you know. Oh, his his story is that's shocking. Matt, do you also not like the the broker? Uh, yeah, no, I I didn't didn't not like him. Hmm. Wow, he's I I meant I say that as a shock because he's actually one of the fan favorite characters. Uh, I mean I get it, but I mean come on man, I play Yakuza for Kiryu. Okay, I mean nobody can be Kiryu and Majima. That's just you know no yeah top, that, top, those are your, top, those tops. those are the guys they're the yeah, guys those are the guys. But yeah, it's okay though. I mean I and I know that game's really long. I don't know. I just I just need to get into the mindset. Well, hopefully this so. break away from Yakuza, uh, you know, will kind of energize you into going back to it, to the world of Kamurocho. I, I won't be listening to your Yakuza 5 playthrough, but I am very interested in your Yakuza 6 playthrough, especially your final episode of, uh, recording. So I'll listen to that, eagerly anticipate okay. that episode. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, Like a Dragon is, is worth getting excited over because of how fresh it is compared to everything else that came before it, but at the same time, without losing the heart and soul of what makes Yakuza storytelling so great, and that's what I like about uh, like a dragon so much. Yakuza is in good. good hands. Good, good. But yeah, that's going to be it for us. Um, we're going to get out of here. Until next time, 
I'm Drew. And I'm Matt. It's Kakami. No. <laughs> and we're out of here. You guys have a uh, a great, great week. And we'll be back next week with the beginning of Yakuza 5. It's Kagami, guys. Don't you remember me? <laughs> it's Kagami! <laughs>